You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Our guests today are J.P. Durand and Lisa Carbet from the world music band Incendio. Wow, I don't even know where to begin with this one, guys. I, this was such an amazing conversation that I just, I mean, I really didn't edit this one very much. I just kind of let it roll, and they go all over the place, and it's beautiful. This, honestly, this show kind of sums up what the original idea was for the Authenticity Show, just to have really great, intelligent, inspired conversations that like-minded people would be thrilled to just be a fly on the wall and eavesdrop on. And that's what we have here. So this is kind of a long one. It's about two hours. So settle in and, and listen up. Good evening, Satch Purcell. Oh, good evening, Carlos Casados. Gosh, uh, this is going to be fantastic. Do you know why? I think I have a pretty good idea why. Um, and I'm going to interject something here. All right. Is that you have always been a cool people magnet. Hmm. All the years I've known you, uh, you've always just met and made connections with extraordinarily interesting people, and I'm always amazed at how well I resonate with them. And I think you've done it again. Thanks, man. <laughs> That's awesome. He's done it again. <laughs> you know. You know. And and why is it that um, it's always so amazing? Like each each one of these shows, um, I feel like right before we begin, you just get there's this lead in, and there's this sense of like kind of an inner expectation because I just know that it's going to be amazing. You can yeah. feel the vibe. You can feel there's something yeah. in the air. Or there's just, I don't know what yeah. it is, but I always feel excited about it yeah. before we even begin. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I'm, I'm feeling that same potential for the creation of, of very, very good stuff. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Well, we have uh, two special guests here tonight. Um, they are uh, two of three members of the band Incendio Band. So we have Lisa and JP. Lisa and J- JP, welcome to the show. Welcome to Authenticity. Thank you. Uh, thank really you for glad us. to have you guys here. Yeah, we're excited. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I met you guys um, recently, yeah, um, I YouTubed uh, to try to find some music because I really wanted to get a sense of, of how you play, and I was just struck with how um, sort of uplifting. There's all these Latin beats and all these things that you guys were doing. I really was excited to share it with Satch uh, later on that evening. I played some for him. We went to, I think we were doing weightlifting that night or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Um, but uh, I yeah. said, oh, I, you know, had a great conversation earlier today. We have a, a, an upcoming uh, couple of guests and, yeah. and I played some for you, Satch. Yeah, that? absolutely. And, you know, I'd like to report that when I am at my desk, uh, I always put on some kind of mood music in order to change my brainwaves into the kind of brainwaves that I want (laughs) for whatever work I have to do. And I had Incendio on all day today at my desk and uh, I found my brainwaves to be um, joyous and energetic yet peaceful and calm. That's uh, perfect. And that's what I got from it. And uh, so thank you for making my uh, work day uh, pleasant and productive today. You're welcome. Yeah, that's and it was great. one of those days I, I needed good. it today. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> that's a calming influence. Music to do yeah, for sure. Yeah, very good. Satch, you did go back to play today, didn't you? The playground? I did. Yeah, this is this is a new concept. I'm going to go ahead and share it with our wonderful guests. Uh, I'm I'm just coming off uh, a little vacation. And yesterday was my first day back uh, off my vacation and I made a conscious decision that I no longer call it work. 
every day when I get up and leave the house, I say, all right, I'm off to the playground. Oh, I think that's brilliant. It's the playground. Yeah. Right. And this was inspired by um, an Alan Watts quote that um, that struck me. Well, you on should. My Alan Watts app. Well, if you want to be really accurate, you should probably smoke as much um, marijuana as he smoked before saying it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I probably should. Yeah. Okay. I mean, just, just to be historically accurate. <laughs> I, I think the three words that we yeah. both keyed in are were Alan Watts app. I know. Did I, I know love there was an that. Alan Watts yeah, app. Yeah. I, I have an Alan Watts app. That's fantastic. And so what happens is every day I set the time and every day at 10 30 um i get a little bit of wisdom and it and but it comes I've of course get that after Absolutely. after the advertisement man <laughs> awesome okay <laughs> something else yeah so my my new attitude about going to the playground every day instead of going to work is inspired by this alan watts quote that goes like this Man suffers only because he takes seriously what the gods made for fun. And so, so right? I, I, had to, I had to incorporate that in my life. And so actually, yesterday, I um, changed my password at work to something that re- will remind me of this every day. So when I log into the computer, it cues my memory that this is what I'm doing now. Maybe you should share That's that with everybody brilliant. who's listening. Maybe so I will. If they feel yeah. like hacking you, they So can. all my students can get into the computer and Absolutely. get the exam Mess questions. Absolutely. Mess with the grades. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so... so. Work is now the playground. No, I, I think that's brilliant. And I'm always amazed at synchronistic events because in the past four days, I've had several other people say the same thing, that they've done transformable vocabulary mm. to in, in things that they didn't find joyful and just changed the wording. And now you're saying the same thing. It's wow. really interesting. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. What that's you great. say about anything inside your head changes how you feel about it for sure. I mean, your thoughts do change your emotions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, my clients, I always tell them it's home play, not homework. Yeah, home yeah. play. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, um, uh, as you may or may not know, I'm an occupational therapist. And occupational therapists um, are famous for uh, promoting this idea that, that, the main job of childhood is play. And that is a child's job. The child's job is to play because that develops all the skills that they're mm-hmm. going to use into their life for the rest of their life. Yeah. So why stop playing just because it's time to get a job, right? Good I point. mean, because we, we develop by playing. And I think this, this conversation, this word has gotten started in a nice way here because mm-hmm. you two are musicians and that's what musicians do. They play. Right. That's true. So um, do you play? We do. We do play. There's a lot of uh, practicing that goes before we play, but we do play. And when we do play, we try to bring um, a sense of joy and excitement and inspiration to our performances and and to our recordings. Hmm. Has there ever been a time when the hard work of practice or the business side of being musicians has made you sort of lose that playfulness and you needed to rediscover it? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Sure. The business side. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's been so many um, stages of the business side. Um, it, it's definitely had it, it, its downs. The business is, is always difficult. And, um, well... I would say since Incendio and the way things, the way the business has changed, um, 
and that's sort of a double-edged sword. But I think in doing our original music and the way things, some people would disagree, but musicians now are very empowered. There's a lot we can do for ourselves. Um, where we used to have to give away our power to people, and, and you hear that through history, you know, people losing their songs, losing their joy of their music um, because of something they signed, um, and, and not having the power to take control of their music and touring. And, and now, with the internet and things that are happening, if you want to embrace that, you can. It's, it's a lot of extra work, but at the same time, you can do it. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's ups and downs in everything. Sure, sure. Yeah. I have found that uh, we've been doing this for about 20 years, and uh, we've got 10 albums, and it's been uh, a roller coaster of everything that you can imagine. The one thing that the band is always, the the band is is basically led by three fairly ambitious people that have learned to get along with each other, her and I probably a little more closely because we're husband and wife. Um, but one thing I, I am conscious of is the notion that a couple of years ago I was like it. It takes I, I'm uh, my angst engine runs pretty high, and I said I can't sustain that, and do continue to do what I do within the band, which is uh, I take care of booking and some a lot of logistical stuff. I do a lot of the the work involved. So that we can have the you know and obviously Jim and, and and Lisa contribute quite a bit, but that's kind of the thing I do. And in order to continue hammering that booking thing, it takes a lot of anxiety, a lot of waiting, a lot of follow up. I recently found out that, and this is going to be humorous to people listening, but a lot of what I do is basically be a salesman to the band because when you're trying to book and be an agent, you're a salesman. And I'm coming to grips recently with the notion that as much as I don't want stress or anxiety to be a motivator it has to be so that eternal struggle of of finding the the work play balance uh and recontextualizing you know your work to say that it's play all of that is really coming to pass the last couple of years because i was like i can't sustain this anymore and now i'm, I'm also coming to the realization that there has to be some component of that and how do you uh, manage that in a more responsible way to be good to yourself uh, and and to continue to be good to the people around you, I, there's a strong service component, and I've noticed that in terms of you guys and the books. The undercurrent of, of everything, of a lot of things you're talking about too, I think, is when you learn to play, you do eventually learn that when everybody plays together as as a kid, everybody has a better time, and you develop your friendships, and you do that. And the more closed off uh, you become, or the more you're subject to abuse from parents, or you don't get to go through that stretch of playing and you don't develop the skills that are necessary to develop like okay if play, if this thing happens this bad thing happens how do i deal with it and how do i support them if this bad thing happens, how do i deal with it and how do i support them you can't do that if you're drowning yourself so i think all of the and, and if you choose to be a musician you choose to be a creative person that notion of service that notion of support that uh, uh, and the notion of playfulness all of them go hand in hand, and then as you get older, hopefully you learn new skill sets and new ways to to do that. So what, the things that you're talking about and bringing up, like right off the bat, are super, like a very strong undercurrent to mm. what we do with Incendio and at least what I try to contribute on my end to the band. Mm. You, you said that stress is, in a way, or the anxiety of it is necessary. It's kind of like having a, a fire under your ass, right? It yeah. causes you to make a choice. You got to do something, yeah. uh, make decisions, take action. 
um, be responsive to to what's happening. Um, how have you created the quality of playing lava tag, hot lava tag, right? You remember when you were a kid and there's, you know, the ground is hot lava and you got to jump from place to place and you're getting chased. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And relating that to having a fire under your ass. Do you, do you sometimes uh, motivate yourself by doing something in your head to make it fun so that you're doing this difficult thing, this stressful thing, but making it fun for yourself? You know what I think I found is, um, and Lisa has been so helpful with me on this gym too. Uh, I'm, I'm not married to Jim, and I live with Lisa. So, it's, but, 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 yeah, but the support from both sides—it's um, a 21st is, century. Yeah, yeah, is the notion of of choosing my battles because mm-hmm. I think you uh, and to me I come in like anxiety riddled about all the aspects. Um, how are we going to complete the album? How are we going to book? Once we book, what are the logistics? How do we get the van? How do we uh, uh, rent the instruments if needed? If we're if we're going to drive, how much can we carry and not destroy the van? Mm. And and I think those things used to occupy more time in my head. So I've gotten better at, at determining what I can control and what I can't. And mm. it seems like really obvious, but you have to do it like anything else, like occupational therapy or anything anyone may do. You learn more intimate ins and outs over time and you decide you know what's a forest fire and what's a cigarette and an ashtray you know mm-hmm. which one are you really gonna and uh you know you just can't blanket apply yeah anxiety or ambition to everything especially as you get older you have to learn where your energies are are best directed and, and part of that is is listening too if you know if you have bandmates that are saying you're getting too stressed out you need to calm down it's not that you know important or you you get better at delegation um mm. Uh, or you simply say that you know that it's just not that important to uh, do you know work every night on the tour. Mm. Leave a night off. Right. Go to a restaurant. Sit and watch possibly the dumbest show you've ever watched in your life, and enjoy that. Well, I watch a wildlife documentary. Take yourself out of the fight all the time. Mm. But I will say, cool your jets. W- with you, you enjoy people. And so to call people and call the booking agents, you are so personable. You really ask a lot about these people. And so there's an immediate sharing, even with strangers. And and that makes it more fun for you. For somebody that doesn't inquire about that person and get friendly with it's that like person, pulling teeth, it, sure. yeah, it's not as much fun. So it, it's also like what works for your skill set. That's true. I do, mm. you know, like talking to people, and you, you're able to develop promoters, uh, a relationship with the promoters over time. And we have some that are friends that we have just gone back to uh, for years. Lynn Cooper up at Mill Pond, Bruno Nasta mm. at the National Gallery of Art in Washington D.C. Our friends at the Mock Chunk Opera House, Dan Hugo. So those guys that we keep uh, going back to and having a relationship. So if you look at it at the long view. Uh, it's like I'm going to forge relationships, and we're going to make a little more money and a little more money, and keep building the audience and all that. And I, I, that that's tr- like when you come out of school as a musician, uh, the, there's this is actually part of a larger thing where it's like nobody teaches you this stuff. If you're ambitious, nobody teaches you necessarily where to direct or how to direct the ambition. You can be a great guitar player, a great singer, a great bass, but if nobody teaches you how to actually get work. Uh, we have one one person uh, we know is like, and, and we told him this, and I thought it was being supportive, and this is also learning what to say and what not to say. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you finished your album now. Now is really the time to go and promote that album. And we basically sent them into a year-long depression. I had no idea because their whole thing was like, the and, it was, and it's understandable, your first album you want, you know, their whole thing was, I'm going to finish the album and it will be my vision. And that's great. Mm-hmm. 
but you also want people to hear your album. You're not going to have a career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, somebody needs to take you by the hand and go, oh my gosh, there's yeah. a whole other realm. So part of that is just kind of also as a young person being open to opportunities and also not feel like you're being taken. It takes radar. It takes support of other friends. What do you think? Uh, they don't see him on the up and up. Maybe you shouldn't take it up on him. Especially now in this environment where things happen so fast. Things can go viral in an instant. You can meet the right person in an instant. You can meet the wrong person in an instant. Um, it's very, it's it's weird. Hmm. It's interesting. Hmm. Everything's moving so fast. You know, I was going to say, um, to echo what Lisa <clears throat> had said about you, um, from the performances I've seen of you, you know, on YouTube and uh, just the moment you walked in the door, uh, I got a really nice impression of of human connection and and just sort of a, a lovingness that emanates from you. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that, you know, and uh, I, I can see it coming out when you perform. And I can see why you're the guy who does the bookings and yeah. <laughs> promotes yeah. things. Like, For sure. I, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's, it's a... It's a spit ton of work, you know, but uh, um, I, I, I'll bet you do it with as much love as you can. You know, I, I can I can sense he, that he yeah. does. He connects with mm. people, and then and then he shares too. You know, we've really found that you know you're you're calling to get a gig, but then you become friendly with the person, and it's like, well, we don't really want someone like you were looking for. Oh, well, we know somebody like that, and then we start passing on other musicians to them and so you start sharing and then you become more than just somebody that's calling for a gig you're recommending somebody else and helping them out as well so it becomes more of a a give and take like a reciprocal thing reciprocal absolutely And, and we got really fortunate in a way to um start doing what we were doing at possibly the dumbest time to ever start thinking about doing it which was as the as the old uh music business paradigm started you know crumbling and falling apart thing napster kind of started everything and 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 the, you know the, the computer and the internet kind of changed everything and at that time which was you know 99 98 when it was really just beginning to come into everybody's home but we all had email addresses probably in 92 93 whatever but as it became ubiquitous you know um we we made some decisions that were not uh conventional at the time which is like even 20 years ago, most people doing kind of instrumental music, and there were not a ton, uh, were single uh, uh, artists as opposed to bands. You know, there were there was like there was Jesse Cook or Strunes of Frog, two guys, but still it was like a, a a a single entity or like two guys or whatever, as opposed to a band. The concept of the band, you know, went out with the Who and Zeppelin. It's very rare. I mean, that's why mm. I, we love the Foo Fighters. So like, there's still a band. It seems like Grohl drives everything, but it's a bunch of guys that are supportive of the entire unit. And when you're doing one. It's not. It's not the same. So, like, so in that sense, we were anomaly, uh, an anomaly, in the sense that too, when everybody's scrambling for a gig, you're like, you know, the the going wage at a club has been fifty bucks, seventy five bucks a month. Yeah, it's terrible for for like forty fifty Ever. years. Yeah. So we're like, we need to we need to do this on our own. We need to get out of Los Angeles because and now it seems to have been the right thing because clubs are. I don't know where besides School of Rock and a handful of other places. I don't know where. Uh, a young person can actually learn how to interact and play with other people. It's not as easy as it used to be, right? To go Although to a club we did and, see a cool we'll, jam we'll session to that, tonight yeah. that was very um, cool. So nice. the, there was that. It's like, okay, so why would you do that when the when everything is crumbling? And so in a way, it's just been kind of lasting until like CDs died out 
and then uh, downloads came up of the MP3s, and now it's all converting to streaming, and it's like you just you're on a bucking bronco all the time. So I, that's another thing is learning, if, especially in the long game, is learning to just stay on top of the horse. Mm. You know, it's been and and that's and that can be mm. fun and crazy and <clears throat> exhausting and exasperating and completely exhilarating. So <laughs> and so that's where that notion of kind of um, becoming calm and kind of trying to take a long view is so is so critical because you're going to take you can absorb a lot of in any in any uh, uh, job you're going to absorb a lot of body blows through the course of that if you kind of contain watch the long game keep yourself healthy um, keep yourself with a professional uh, attitude I think Lisa's business sense and dreaming it has been really key to that um, Jim is is so focused and really, really um, great at making good business decisions that for for the band in the long run. So everybody has a good role to play to keep the ball in play. And if you're like a single musician, that's a little harder unless you really hook up with the right manager or the really the people around you that that can support. Mm. And so, but but then with deciding to to take it out of Los Angeles and start touring. Um, we really found a whole new group of places to play and, and people that were like, like Lisa Lynn and like Lau Tizer that were doing the independent thing and a whole new market doing festivals, doing cultural art centers, doing art fairs, doing concerts in the park. There's a whole other world out there of performing where they're, um, it's not the American idol world. yeah, Yeah. And it's not, I'm really underground, although to a degree it is, um, people that are doing festivals and and there, there's festivals, house concerts. It's off the major media map, but but I mean, there are huge music fans out there, and you can make a, a really good living. And you play for people that love music. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not just going into a club and trying to get people there. There's people they're already there at festivals. They're there to to hear music to to have a communal feeling for three days and interact with the artisans and and there's so much of that stuff out there. The so festivals. Could, yeah, yeah the, these so, people are going to see Joe Craven. They're going to see Larkin Poe. They're going to see Tommy Emmanuel. So you know. when we discovered that, it just um, put us on a whole new trajectory where mm. we could go out and, and play and book concerts and, and just find a whole new world to play in. You know, it sort of reminds me of actors that think they could only be happy if they're acting in Hollywood. Exactly. Whereas you can be a wonderful actor just enjoying your craft yes. at a community theater. Yeah. And that's okay. And teaching yeah. and directing and imparting, you know, the, uh, and sharing the passion with somebody and becoming their mentor. I, I, there's a huge part of it. And this is a kind of a back thing to uh, the whole notion of finding your tribe, mm-hmm. I think, was so, is so mm-hmm. critical. Right. Um, to any to any endeavor that you're going to be passionate about is finding the right people and it sounds very obvious but it can be really hard to do especially if you're like if you're a person that's coming into your 40s 50s 60s and you find this new passion whether it be writing or whether it be mm-hmm. reiki or whether it be some, it's something something of service that is in the healing or energetic world and you don't know any of these people you know you have a gift but you don't know who to share it with it's like it, it, once you find that group of people it's incredibly empowering yeah. and and gives you a lot of of confidence but it's not you know, the the first step is the risk is to step outside of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and say oh boy you know um who do i who knows this stuff who do where do i go to to uh, check it out and so now i think um we try to be very supportive 
of people and trying to make that first step and go, mm-hmm. you know, try this, try that. And well, encourage them. You know, we, we, we've got a lot of people that come over and say, how do you book the band? How do you do this? How do you get royalties? And, you know, we'll say, come over, you know, we'll tell you what mm-hmm. we do. You share we, the wealth. Yeah. Of wisdom. Absolutely. That's People actually going to be a, a program that we're going to be yeah. launching after this, once this CD is released. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. That's great. People That's need great. to know that. Yeah. And we found it out by just doing it. But, you know, there's so many things that we said, God, if we'd known that, you know, it would have saved well, us a lot of time and effort. Yeah. But, you know, we had to figure the, that out the on cri- our own. The critical question, this is a part of this Thrive and Survive in the Music Business curriculum mm-hmm. that we're going to be doing. And I, the capper, at least for me, was a couple, like a year ago. And I, I won't name the person only because I I, can't, I don't remember who it was. It could have been any of a number, but it was like a, a really fairly well known musician, mm-hmm. uh, like a like a like a um, an instrumental like backup artist that plays with all these different people, and we're just talking, and we've known him for a while, and it's just uh, so. What's your publishing company, or what, how do you publish? He goes, my publishing company's ASCAP, and I go, we both were like, that's not a publishing company, <laughs> it's mm. a performing rights organization. They pay you your royalties. And we're like, he doesn't actually know. Mm-hmm. He's been doing this, and he's been backing up these really successful people, and he doesn't know. Yeah, and, and it was it was like okay, so you can be of service there, and absolutely it's mutual in a, in a very yeah, fundamental absolutely. way. Yeah, and it was yeah. like okay, you know, there, there's yeah. so many aspects of the music business. That's the thing, yeah, and it can be so confusing. And if you're only a side person, if you're only doing this or you're only doing that, you lose. and you're curious about. Well, if you're not, but suddenly this stream ends for you. You know, maybe you were a signed artist. And so that record company took care of everything for you. And now you're no longer signed. And now you're out on your own. And now you want to do it, but you don't know how. Right. Somebody took care of it for you. So you're still in your mind thinking, i got to go get signed and somebody's going to get my royalties for me and they're going to take care of well you don't have that anymore and you don't have a clue how to do it and you think your publishing company is ASCAP or BMI it's like holy shit yeah (laughs) you're in a bad position right you know and and musicians need to be empowered and you can be you know I just think for too long we're Musicians think, oh, I just want to create, you know, and, and I don't know this. But you can, and you need to. And there's people forever, like Dali, you mm-hmm. know, he was brilliant, and he used his craziness to market himself. Yeah. You he's know, a genius he's marketer, yeah. He totally yeah. built his brand. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He built his brand. He it's goes, people brand. think I'm crazy. People still know Good. It. Yeah. Let's play on that, yeah. you know? So some of the things that you guys were talking about reminded me to ask you, um, have you read Tribal Leadership? By Dave Logan? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, he's an amazing uh, person, you know, uh, and he wrote a book about, you know, building a tribe and what is a tribe and, you know, what are the stages of thought and uh, learning along the way. Um, and one of the things he talked a lot about, because he had studied, you know, Toyota and Google and, you know, various hospitals and Zappos and all these different companies. And he, and he was comparing and contrasting, you know, GM and, and talking about recessions and which companies did well in the recessions and which ones surged. And um, he was talking a lot about this new model, this model of cooperation, uh, synergy, um, you know, linking up with people with, with a similar or uh, even sometimes the same skills or the same offering and not 
pushing them away and trying to sort of compete, but actually bringing them together and saying, you know, how can we help you? How can we create mutual uh, survival, not mutual destruction? Because in this in this world, everybody is sort of, you know, dog eat dog and fighting against one another. But it's the musicians and the artists that are not getting in a way enough uh, credit and a lot of these people we were talking about how cheap it is to hire a musician at a bar it hasn't changed in in many yeah. many years Cut your own and it throat. sucks i mean i'm be honest i mean as a music lover a music appreciator it bothers me because you know i have my my friends you know oliver and danny all these people that really work hard to be what they are and you know there are these gigs where they're not really getting their full due the credit yes, so absolutely when when you guys do what you're doing by bringing people together and sharing um, in a way, you're bolstering the industry completely by doing it and yourselves. Well, I think that's so important. And I think with some of these groups, where, like where I met you, um, these entrepreneurship types of groups, they're encouraging people and they're supporting each other. Mm-hmm. And I think when we start feeling like we're in constant um, conflict with one another or, or competition, uh, competition mm-hmm. that we we stifle everything it's like there is enough to right. go around right. there really is we have to have we, an abundance mindset not a poverty mindset yes yeah, and like, when you constantly think that's the only gig it's you not know? scarcity yeah it's there's scarcity abundance. yeah mm-hmm. and that yeah. you make more things happen you create another gig maybe where there wasn't a gig you create like what what's happening now this thing with house concerts is huge because people started going, and people do that to us all the time. They go, oh, what's a house concert? That sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Next thing we know, they've got a house concert series, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and people are doing that all over the world. And what's so cool about that is it's community. People bring people into their house. They have maybe a potluck or they make food. And they start meeting people in the area or people come all over to mm-hmm. from, come from all over to, to meet them. And suddenly you're meeting different people. And the artist has people just listening to them, selling their CDs. And it's a great environment. And mm-hmm. that just came up out of nowhere, out of the need. That's cool. Yeah. Um, the one thing we noticed uh, uh, many years ago... Uh, We've known a lot of rock guitarists, and you meet every time at NAM, and it's a fraternity of people and it's an enjoyable group of guys. You talk about the gigs, or you have a friend who's a trumpet trumpetist, or you have a friend who's a percussionist, right? And especially guitarists, there's a camaraderie of like you know I talked about with Oliver. You know, it's like, are you a Strat guy or you're a Les Paul guy? And there's this commonality, and we just talk hmm. about stuff. Um, when we first started this, uh, generally Spanish guitarists, particularly young guys, we know. Didn't really have that. There wasn't as many of us. We actually had one guy who's now a friend. I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. Um, we were labeled as Novo Flamenco, and that was a genre when we first started. Just kind of, I'm, I haven't heard it in a long time. Mm. I don't think it exists anymore. So we were labeled as that one of the first shows where I had kind of joined the band officially. He sat in front of the band cross-armed like this, just waiting to see us bring it, waiting to see a falsetta, waiting to see here like real flamenco, which we don't play. We don't play flamenco that's the thing with it incendio it's like a more like a latin jazz band or, a or like world a fusion band. it's a fusion and i would say about 10 or 15 years ago we were very conscious of the fact that you know while other genres were getting along that spanish guitarists particularly here in la still 
um, carry themselves like gunslingers. Huh. It was like, you play with your distortion and your martial. I'm going to be here with my nylon string, and this is like my take on Paco de Lucia, and that's great. And it was a very lonely person. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, and we were all that. We were on in our little like cul-de-sacs of I do fusion or I do jazz or whatever. And uh, we had thought about it a little, but I all credit and love to guys like Ben Woods and Luis Viegas and other friends and Berto that had the same idea where it's like, why are we like separate from this when we're all like you know uh, some level of of starving or people aren't hearing our music now more people are hearing the music but a while ago it was like how are we going to break and the the only way to do is like kind of like support each other compare notes Mm -hmm. you're a great flamenco player you're a great soloist you have amazing technique you play great classical lisa plays great classical you know it's like let's look at our commonalities Hey, are you available? Then it becomes, are you available for that gig? Oh man, can you sub for this other thing that I'm doing? Hey, I heard about this great show that you can do. And all of a sudden, it's a more of a communal thing of the people that survive and want to be supportive. There are other people that are very much outside of that circle, and that's fine, you know. Um, but for within the people that are that are circle, Jose Garcia, Berto up in in Oregon, you know, it's a really nice nice yeah. group of people that we com- can commiserate on. Our ups and downs. And then you get to talk about, you know, family and how that intersects with career. If you have kids, how they intersect. And all of a sudden, it's a real conversation. It's not mm-hmm. just about what pick you're using, what strings you're using or, or whatever, but it's actual real life. And then that gets suffused back into your music. Yes, yeah, beautiful. You know, as you were describing that, I couldn't help but get the image of the difference between um, individual cells trying to make it on their own versus an <laughs> organism yeah, yeah. right it's so it's, true you know because like what you're talking Absolutely. about like this guy can play this technique and that person can play that really well and it's sort of like these cells over here they know how to make insulin and these other cells they know how to detoxify poisons and they should work together and make an organ system you know what i mean and, and yeah. now now this can sustain life Absolutely. you can have experience creating you can do and exactly. create and change things That's you know so yeah. true that was beautiful mm-hmm. yeah uh, Lisa, you know from our conversation uh, a few weeks ago that uh, I was headed to Nashville. Well, yeah. I had a great time, um, and one of the things I, you know, I did, I did some music tours there, and uh, I went to the Grand Ole Opry, and you know, it was very inspiring to be around, and you know, just to basically be immersed in an environment that had so many appreciators of music around me. I mean, just walking down the main streets and visiting all the honky tonks or, or walking past the honky tonks and hearing all this blaring music coming out into the streets where they're, they're not shy about letting it rip. I mean, it's just, so boom, great, just crank it? it out and it goes right into the streets. It's not like here where there are all these city ordinances preventing that. There they expect it. They want it. Everybody's, you know, having a good time. And he went to these classical places, uh, uh, Tootsie's and, you know, these famous places where like, you know, Willie Nelson and uh, Johnny Cash and Hank Williams, all these people, you know, lived in the upstairs and, yeah. and played for their room and board. And it's just so cool to, to see all that classic stuff and then to visit all the, you know, um, music recording companies um, and, and touring all that. But it's so infused into life there, I can really understand why they call it Music City. Yeah. Have you guys uh, visited or performed in Nashville? We um, we were in Memphis several times. We okay. played in Memphis. I don't. Did we play in that? I've I played, we in, played Nashville in Nashville once with some other people. Okay. But I've never played in Nashville with uh, with Incendio. I, so I don't, is Memphis? We, we had a we had a standing uh, invitation to play at the Bluebird. 
uh, quite a few years ago. It's a matter of touring and making uh-huh. and, 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 and the expenses and, and make sure. And, and Memphis, for whatever reason, ended up being more of a of a place that we wound up probably because we, of the Levitt Pavilions because we, we play played all those. The Levitt, and we played what was that? The Center for Southern Folklore. We played a little club called Mamas. Uh, no, we played that. Oh, the German ta- the Germantown Performing Ger- Arts Center. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we did a bunch of stuff in Memphis, and so is it a similar vibe where you go there and there's just infused with music yeah. appreciation? Yeah, oh, it is. It's, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. A, Nashville is is a little more country in the Grand Ole Opry uh-huh. and a great uh-huh. music community, a great guitar community. But that Memphis is more blues and rhythm nice. and blues, like Sun Stacks, the Reverend Al oh, Green's Stacks. place. Yeah, uh, yeah, Graceland. that was fun. Like, so when you were talking about that, I was thinking of all the cities that really had like they don't. Saying a music culture is almost too limiting because mm-hmm. the music is so interwoven into the fabric of the history of the city. And and I think music in that regard is kind of unique. Uh, if you have a visual medium like art, people can go to, you know, Metropolitan Museum of Art or LACMA or, or, and you sit and you engage with the art and there's a whole visual uh, medium and it's curated by people that have enough money to have a museum and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Same with you have all these books here and it's you have a community of people that will know who whatever author is and, mm-hmm. and there are people like who love them in Minneapolis or New York and you get you walk to Book Soup or you watch another place and you talk about them or you know about City Lights in San Francisco and all that. But music is 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 part of the culture in a way that those other mediums are not I don't think infused into the the culture of a city that way. It's just mm. not the same because, you, like, you walk down New Orleans, New Orleans, you can hear, or Memphis for that matter, you can hear uh, music all the time yeah, in the streets being played like s- anywhere. Saturday night was it? Saturday night? There, there oh was, my gosh! There was some. Night. I think it's Saturday night in Memphis. So everything is open. And you're walking like the music's pouring out of the street, right? Uh, onto the street, blues, and six sets a night, oh, hip hop, blues, it. country, and everybody's just walking around. It was crazy. It was so much fun. And there was one guy, what's his name? Richard Rock, Johnson. Richard Johnson, unbelievable. Johnson. So he's like he was a one man band. So we're mm. walking up and we're watching him play like some some kind of white hillbilly. You know, he's barefoot and. And he's playing. He's playing drums, and he's so, okay, playing yes. guitar, uh, and he's this, singing. The, and, yeah. So well, he's he's kicking <laughs> uh, kick drum with one foot. And with, no, kick, with, with the front part of his foot and the hi hat with the back part of his foot. And, and somehow hitting <laughs> snare kind of at the same time. He was doing this thing with his feet, and then he was playing like a cigar, like a big cigar box guitar, which is like this just kind of not a homemade thing because there are people that make that now. But it's basically got two strings and a plank, right? Wow. He's got a big SWR bass amp behind him and like a Fender Vibroverb. He's got a bass amp and a guitar amp behind him, and he's playing slide and he's getting the bass from the bass thing, kind of like a white stripes, kind of like, but like, you know, kind of simultaneous to him being on doing it. But he was playing amazing slide guitar. And with just this huge sound behind him, and it was running on generators in the middle of the street. Wow! Singing and he was literally ass singing his ass off, playing, playing like basically guitar and this at the same time, just doing this groove. And it was loud, and it was crazy. And he Killed clearly it. was so great. Not like you know, he was out of his mind. Wow! But it was the most amazing. Like you know, we see stuff like American Idol or all this other stuff that is it's fine. People can enjoy that, whatever. But this guy blew that away, huh? Blew everybody so away, real. and clearly was like 
not didn't seem particularly stable and could be kind of dangerous. Right. <laughs> but he, he had a gift like Channeled which you, psychosis. Don't, you don't see all the time, and that's yeah. that. You know, the people that we all appreciate, whether it's Jaco Pastorius or mm-hmm. or Hendrix or any right. uh, Joni Mitchell, all, you know, a lot of them. They're right at the edge. They're right at the edge. Yeah. They, they, yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know, sometimes you sit back and go, thank you, lucky stars, I'm not a genius. I'm just, yeah. you know, I'm trying to be just good and do great music because there's a certain level of torture with being the one that kind of takes mm-hmm. the rest of us through those dimensional portals and gets us to a different place. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a, when you're saying cells, well, I always think of those like the free yeah, radical right, cells that right, take right. you out. You know? Right, and the, you yeah. know that guy was probably cheating though, right? He had multiple personality disorders, so he was channeling actually <laughs> an entire guys. band, and he right, didn't have right. to do it all in all. Oh, so you're saying he was really a full band unto Absolutely. himself? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. all, all under but, one roof. But that's yeah. definitely a cell I want in my organism. That's a highly yeah. specialized I, cell I, that could be a lot. To you, like you know, can you imagine the 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 synapses and then the a sort know. of storm of, of electrical. I just uh, well, play in I'd his love brain. to see I his mean, brain in wow. a functional MRI. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I, think wow. it, I think it was your namesake. I think it was Joe Satriani. It was Satch that uh-huh. said, uh, "It's these guys that are just flying through the cosmos, doing their thing, and kind of going, why is everyone looking at me? Oh well, I get <laughs> you know.' And I, uh, from all the people that are most inspirational to me, I get that thing that hmm. they're just." You know, just in a different, they're just wired different. I mean, yeah. Prince, you know, all yeah. these, which makes. Mention Dali as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, example. Or, uh, yeah. Picasso yeah. or Frida Kahlo or whoever, you know, it's a, they, right. they're, 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 they've tuned into a different uh, frequency and are just well enough to mm-hmm. be able to bring that back to the rest of us yeah. and inspire the rest of us. And, and that's, that's a blessing. And that's the, those are the people that, you know, we need support. I know so many people tried to support Jocko when he was really kind of in a, not right. in a great place because, you know, you, you want to give that kind of geniuses support, whatever, but then somebody, you know, their brain chemistry just gets to a point where they right. are destroying themselves. But in the process of doing what they're doing, they changed the rule book, you know, uh, didn't he die in a bar fight or something like that? Yeah, kind of. yeah. He he basically, yeah. Uh, yeah, went up to a bouncer and was just saying, you know, beat the hell out of me. Because I think he wow. he knew he was done. Death was by the bouncer. Same thing that that right? you know, yeah, Bart, by bouncer. Was it Bart yeah. Parker died when he was thirty five and Charlie Parker? Yeah, and, and and he looked like he was sixty or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and and Jimmy, when they he said, was well, "What's you know why why are you so down and why are you doing heroin?" Heroin on the one hand, it's like he said. Uh, Wait till somebody you know does your shit and makes money off it, and you don't, you know, something, something kind of to that well, effect. Yeah. And I think Jocko, uh, Jocko arrived at the same place because I think when you're you're doing a lot of drugs, as I, and this is stuff I've just read as an avid reader of all the stuff is, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, you can still play when sure. you're high. You're just not creating anything new. Mm-hmm. And I think those guys are like, I did all this. What do I do now? It's hard. Yeah. I mean, I think even uh, Jimmy faced that, you know? Well, uh, uh, somebody like Joni Mitchell faced it by like completely changing her thing. There's this full confessional songwriting that about 75, 76, she went with more jazz direction and lyrics that were mm-hmm. less ultra kind of confessional and, and a whole different jazz direction. Right. And really, you know, changed and confounded her audience and followed her muse. You know, seriously, yeah. she lost a lot of you know <clears throat> audience, but that's what she wanted to put out. I think there's a there's a sort of a a fine line uh, when it comes to substances, you know, drugs and and whatnot, uh, types of drugs, also quantities, uh, experience, uh, state dependent memory, and all these things. They're all kind of you know flow into um, the picture because you know you definitely see people. 
um, being able to cope and, and be really, really high and play, you know, like, like, uh, Miles Davis and, and John Coltrane and you know, heroin and cocaine and they're in a certain state and they're just these masters and they're producing amazing things. Um, and that's just maybe what you're saying, like kind of maintaining something, but then there's also, um, examples of where say psychedelics came into the picture mm-hmm. and it altered the way they perceived what they were doing in such a way that it becomes out very quite beautiful. You know, like mm-hmm. like as uh, LSD came into the picture for a lot of bands like the Beatles or the Doors or something like that. I mean, it really seemed to kind of uh, shift the the sound in a, in a really significant way. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, it, the it, way you're thinking, it, it shifts the way you th- see things. It definitely yeah. opened doors for and for every person that it opened doors for for the Hendrixes and for yeah. George Harrison, Beatles, and all that. There were guys like Skip Spence from the Moby Grape, or there were, or or uh, Sid Barrett mm-hmm. from the Floyd. That, that oh yeah, there made, you go. Started on the same journey, and because of their brain chemistry, went went out quickly and yeah. did not return. Definitely. There. So there's all that. Certainly some disaster stories in there too, for sure. Or yeah, and, and and like of of creativity stunted because it just it was a, a mm-hmm. bad reaction. But the mm-hmm. one thing that I have come to appreciate in time because it was it was not of my time was just how ubiquitous and, and commonplace cocaine was like a party favor mm-hmm. in the seventies. And it, it was every, it was like, here's your food. Here's some champagne. Would you like a line? <laughs> it's just, it's not that way. I mean, we have a huge opioid problem and fentanyl and people that want to escape their reality and so forth. Um, but I don't think cocaine was perceived the same. That's my impression anyway, from, that time it was more like a party favorite. Everybody was doing it, and it was very easy to hook because it was everywhere. And I just I don't see that so much. Uh, in, like in the last, I would say twenty people still have it, but it's not like you know just basically out of the table or out or you know. Maybe whatever. they're just not offering it to you because they think yeah, you're a spy or an undercover police officer. Those circles. <laughs> Maybe it's just too expensive now. You know, yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's something I'm not like a yeah cocaine magnet. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, Although you are Peruvian, so I don't know. Yeah, there you go. And we're going to get into that <laughs> too later. Oh yeah. Well, you know, you you were talking about um, you know genius, you know, and these these you know these people that that uh, um, you know, can do these amazing things, and uh, it reminded me since we talked about Alan Watts earlier, another Alan Watts quote where he's talking about a Zen poem and I have it right here. And I think it's, it's sort of perfect to what, what you're describing. Wild geese do not intend to cast their reflection. The water has no mind to retain their image. It's that idea that something that is true and dare I say authentic, (laughs) um, does what it does because it does what it does. And if somebody else is going to really enjoy it, then they get to enjoy it. But it's being itself because it's being itself. It's not being itself so that somebody else will enjoy it. Yes. You know? Yes. And, and, and I think that's why we always resonate with uh, an artist who's really being an artist. They're really being themselves. You know? Yes. There's something magical about that that I just love. I, I totally agree. I, and I think people in general are attracted to or resonate with people in general that are being authentic. There's something about that frequency that a person resonates when they're comfortable and doing whatever it is they do, whether it's art or science, but they're just being authentic and they're comfortable. So they're, they're giving that gift to people. Mm, yeah. There's a, there's a great quote. I'm going to try to paraphrase. Um, 
not in the Miles Davis autobiography, but the the the, the biography where uh, Marcus Miller is talking about uh, being in Miles's band around 81, 82, when he came out of the self-imposed kind of six-year drug haze that he was in between 75 and 81. And um, Miles knew that he was going to come in for some you know, critical drumming because that's what people do, especially he'd been off the scene for a while. And for a lot of the people that loved kind of blue or loved, you know, anything in the forties or fifties, uh, bitches brew and all the seventies stuff had been an absolute, like they hated him and they hated, they hated the whole thing, you know, one chord vamp for 45 minutes and then he walks (laughs) off stage to get back to a more modal kind of, you know, maybe more African thing, maybe more street thing. They just hated it. So um, Marcus said something to the effect of, you know, Miles, how do you deal with all the criticism? And he said, the one thing uh, you learn is to truly just be yourself and speak your speak your truth and do your thing. I learned that from Miles because he says everybody's going to criticize. And if you're not doing yourself and you're doing somebody else's stuff and then they criticize you, you're going to feel lower than you ever thought you could. So at least if you're going to do it and you're going to invite that kind of criticism, do your own thing and at least it'll be towards you. And the philosophy that we also had in the band years ago is we began seeing some uh, negative reviews on on some site. I will remember. It was Radio Paradise. That's what I'll put it out there. And... uh, (laughs) We began to see some some people that were actually kind of taken taken up to piss, you know, really uh, uh, saying some not nice things, and I was like, "That's awesome! We're reaching beyond our audience. We're reaching beyond our safety zone. Nice reframe and, and getting yeah. and get and, and you know, p- other people are hearing us that are outside the circle, and I'm bummed, whatever they don't like it, but oh my gosh, so many other people." Do seem to like it, and we're 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 getting to a newer audience, and that's one of the prices, you know, is like you know that's and that's cool. I suppose so, if that's all you were getting, that would be very depressing. Well, but, yeah, yeah, obviously, but that's <laughs> but, such a but, great but, frame of but mind. But you to take have. that as a sign, okay, that people are yeah. listening. At least they're taking the opportunity to apply critical faculties and going, you know, and uh, that and. and and there's always people that are going to criticize. There, you know, the internet now is just people criticize the just trolls because they have nothing. And that's they got become, nothing better to do. And that's yeah. become part of the of the culture. But I think all there will always be those kind of things. But I think the, the, the there is a limited time where there's any kind of fulfillment from doing that. And at mm-hmm. some point, well, you either get it or you don't. But you're not contributing anything. And I think you can be that and you'd be a younger person and be a troll and that kind of sucks. And at some point you realize that that doesn't work for you anymore. Mm-hmm. I think and that's very idealistic on your part. I think some people well, no, 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 troll but, for uh, their whole uh, life. Uh, <laughs> some people will be trolls, but I mean, enough yeah. people I think will also come to the realization that it doesn't really help. And I'm here in this like basement apartment and I'm really lonely. Maybe it's time to kind of change my latitude. And if we can get, mm-hmm. you know, 20 to 30% of people to, to do that and change that just by seeing a good show and lifting them out and helping mm-hmm. them, you know, by just by doing that, helping them find some authenticity in themselves where like there's this, as we say, the spark of the divine, right? And the, right. the Ecclesia Gnostica. Right. Um, as we say, as I've heard say. Um, <laughs> as it is know, said. As it said, yes. <laughs> Thank you. If you, can, if you can find a way to turn that key you know, to to their authenticity, then that's a a pretty fantastic thing, and you can do that with yeah. with art. You can you you can unlock a, a mind or two. Well, yeah, and that's re- awesome. Remember, uh, you know, one of the primary meanings of authenticity is to be self authoring. 
you know, I really like that you um, framed it the way you did about how we're reaching beyond what we're used to. In a sense, we're reaching a, an additional audience because here we have this criticism coming at us and that shows that people are listening to us that wouldn't normally listen to us. Um, and you mentioned earlier about uh, expanding beyond your comfort zone. And I think it's also about expanding beyond your framework or beyond your pattern. So when you when you go beyond the pattern that you're used to, you're actually in territory that you once were not in. And what we like to say on, on this show is expand your comfort zone, not get beyond your comfort zone, just because it's a subtle shade of difference in those two phrases. Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, oh, that's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh boy, yeah. you bring up so much important stuff. Something I say on stage all the time is vocal music is about the singer, but instrumental music is about the listener. Hmm. So you can imagine, you know, you, you're being delivered lyrics about how hard it is to live in the city, or I love you so much, or whatever, and you get where mm-hmm. they're coming from, and you get the emotion of it, and mm-hmm. you're feeling Joe Cocker, Mick Jagger, or whoever, you know, you're feeling them mm-hmm. tell you what they're feeling and how we're going to have a good time and look at brown sugar, look at the girl, you know, you're, yeah. you're receiving all this information, you're going, okay, that's the story he's telling me. Mm-hmm. Whereas with instrumental, more, you you write the story. That's true. If you yeah. are so inclined to do it. Wow. So that's that's that's... Thing number one. Thing number two is I'm very, I personally am very conscious of energy projection. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim on my right is like a gunslinger, <laughs> and his focus is like fantastic. Doesn't smile a lot. That's one of his the pet peeves he gets. Like, I wish you'd smile more. And he's like, I'm in the moment. You know, <laughs> I don't worry about smile. I'm worrying about presenting the best I can do and that's what I'm going to do and yeah. another a hero of mine Eric Johnson is very much the same way he tries to be a conduit it's like it's cool Lee's is a little more in my school in that it's like I, I would I would just as soon be playing with the Ramones I like a lot of energy I like to see jumping around I like to see movement I like to see that engagement but we're doing a Spanish guitar band so it's almost like a, a fusion thing and Tim is completely like groove committed behind us he's like a grounding and is he Lee's the percussionist? Is nailing, he's a drummer. Yeah, he's okay. a drummer. Gotcha. And he's just nailing it. So I see myself as a conduit of the energy we're projecting to the audience so we can have a communion and they can give it back. And we're not going to reach everybody, but we don't need to reach everybody. You know, like if the buddy guy says, you know, use your eyes and look at the, the, the back or Bon Jovi or whoever, you know, we're not playing play, large places, but we play to five, 10,000 people, whatever. And you're like, you're trying to reach that person. That's my job. Like, okay, this person, talk to this person, try to reach them. We, and, and so it's, you create a very, very conscious of creating an energy flow. You don't always get to do it. Sometimes the sound isn't right. Sometimes your equipment is a little broken. Sometimes Lisa might be distracted or Jim might be distracted or, or, or something. But if you can get all the conditions pretty close to right, get about 60, 70% there. The best shows are when it's 95 or 100% there. The hmm. sound is perfect. The audience is with you. We had a show in Reston, Virginia last year that it was at least seven, ten thousand 10,000 people. Nice. And they were, they were like this. And it wasn't because like I'm Mick Jagger or anybody else in the band is like Eddie Van Halen or anything. It was just <laughs> the flow. They were predisposed to flow. We were in particularly good place the weather cooperated, the sound. And when all that came together, we had two one-hour sets of absolute controlled mayhem. Beautiful. And it was just perfect. And, and people wanted to get up and dance, and they wanted to be a part from of the, it. From the and, first beat, it was like, yeah. boom. Mm, and, nice. you know, 
We get a lot of people, and I really appreciate that. Um, a lot of fathers, a lot. I get a lot of women that are very supportive of me. They just come up and say, "God, I, you know, I just I love seeing a woman up there." But what I love is seeing fathers bring their little girls up and point at me. Yeah, and I'm wow. like, yeah. That See, is you can so be that. Great. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Wow. you're just yeah. pointing and saying, "Look, yeah. look, you could do that." Yeah, yeah. You know, and. It's and it, back east, we also have a guy named Bruna Nasta that plays with us. And the he's, same one that books the National Gallery of Art. Okay. And, and he's a bigger-than-life concert violinist, and he loves playing with us. He plays Hungarian violin, and he, he improvises, and, and he just fits right in with us. So he plays, and he takes amazing solos, and then he gets to the front of the stage and just takes a grandiose bow, and, and people love him. And, and Super that's, charismatic and just a wonderful guy. You know, another thing that, that we add to our show, and it just pulls people in. And a lot mm. of those shows back east, people are just so excited and it's warm out, and you know it's just. But that'll it's happen fun. at the Levitt too, and at Mill Pond, and some other places yeah. out here too. So, wow, yeah. that's I, nice. I, I love that you're um, aware of this this philosophy that you bring. That you're making it about your listener. You know, mm-hmm. I, that, that's that's just beautiful. I, I love that idea because, like like we we spoke about earlier, um, the music that I put on to change my mind for whatever work or play that mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be doing, right? <laughs> It's instrumental music. I never choose music that has vocals in it when I'm trying to accomplish tasks. Yeah, because I, see, because the, the music is about, that music needs to be about me and my state and what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to study yeah. or learn when I hear vocals on. I don't like to listen it's to music hard. that yeah. sounds like a vocal. Satch, you yeah. are the lyrics. There you yeah. go. Look at that. Beautiful. You just wrote the, you just gave him the title of his book. Yeah. You are the lyrics. I am the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Um, uh, I have some questions. Sure. Um, well, well, let me ask you this. Would you mind kind of explaining uh, the name of your band, how you came up with that? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What does that say? Oh, well, it's uh, incendio means fire or arson mm-hmm. in Spanish, Italian, and Portuguese. And when we were coming up with the name of the group, we were talking about, well, we, and we were driving. And we were saying so, and I was saying so, you know, our music's this, it's that, it's fiery. And I looked at him and I said, so how do you say fire in Spanish? And he said, fiore. And then he said, and then he said, incendio. And I was like, Mm. oh, that's a good name for a group, incendio. So we called Jim and said, what do you think about incendio? And that was it. Mm. And that was, that was uh, 1999. So that was, uh, Years before uh, uh, Harry the Harry Potter spell. Yes. Okay. So that's, oh, that's, yeah. that's right. The other yeah. like, you look us up, and it's like that or the Harry Potter spell. Oh, great. Yeah. So, so what is the? Uh, you speak Spanish, yes? I'm yes. Both my parents are Peruvian. It was my first language. Okay. I'm going to ask you a little more about that in a moment. Um, so, as far as the the word incendio versus fuego, how what's the? Is there a nuance of difference in the two words? Or there there is a difference insofar as as. It has different meanings in the in the different culture. You wouldn't you in in at least in Peru you wouldn't look at, and I think most of South America you wouldn't look at a forest fire and say en fuego. You'd say oh. it's a fire, incendio. It's a it's a fire as okay. opposed to you know put on the light, pon el fuego. You know, uh, I think I couldn't exactly tell. I just know because mm-hmm. uh, I learned kind of. From using Spanish it. from, yeah, just by hearing it yeah. at home from the family first, but that has always been my impression of the distinction 
between the two. Of, 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 for me, incendios are raging fire like a building or a forest. What's or, it? But it was, I mean, that that much thinking didn't go. I don't know if it went to the incendio, just sounded more. Just well, sounded yeah. cooler from the yeah. outside. Yeah, when we said fuego for the name of a group, and then incendio is just yeah. like, oh. Fuego is yeah. better for like a, an economy car. But actually, you know, in English, uh, you know, an incendiary device. Uh, exactly. It had those connotations that would make sense from so, early, To be yeah. incendiary language, you know, to use incendiary language. I mean, you know, it's the idea of starting a fire. So in a way, you're, you guys are starting little fires Wherever of we inspiration go. everywhere you go. And, yes. and, and that's pretty cool. Yes, I we, like did, that. we played somewhere once. Was it Colorado? And there was a fire that started. In, oh, you oh, know what? You right. guys are responsible for that. That's all I'm saying. Arsonists. They came. Oh, we were. There was a bunch of us in the back in the green room, and he came and got us. He said, "You got to get out. There's a fire." I'm like, "Get out of here!" He's like, "No, up. there really is." <laughs> God, it was Shut pa- the front door. It was Montrose or pa- well, Montrose somewhere was Paonia. It was down oh, a ho- yes. like Deer Alley, where apparently Deer notoriously like jumped back and forth across the highway and both on the way and on the way back it was like oh my god we're like 30 40 miles an hour but so that we get to this place and there it's somewhere on online you can see oh, that the, the curtains were too close to the lights yeah so and they had to empty us all out we hadn't started yet mm. get the smoke out and then we came back air in out and, the theater and uh, which split. was like wow. a you know small 100 seat 200 seat theater and then we played it was crazy Wow, no, wow. funny. Do you have a song that you think um, captures the spirit of catching fire that you do? Oh, I'd say quite a few. All right, because yeah. I think we'd love to hear one. Yeah, what's one of your favorites? Probably like super fiery, I would say. Uh, oh, Jocko Paco. Okay, so well, why don't we listen to Jocko Paco?
Wow, I am on fire. Are you yeah. sad? <laughs> that was pretty awesome. <laughs> Bring me a bucket. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Gosh, wow. <laughs> no, um, that is so weird that the, the reaction to our music is always "Bring me a bucket." Oh my god! Usually, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was yeah. like bad. I should have said what hose. happened. Yeah, I, I should have said hose. <laughs> yeah, my forehead is sweaty now. Yeah. You're hearing that. Call wow. the fire department. That's a genetic condition. That's yeah, a, yeah, it's, it's not our yeah, fault. Yeah, it's rosacea. Yeah, seriously, I couldn't um, help but get up and dance when I heard that. I know. I mean, it was like <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, wow. but we're here, and you probably should put your clothes back on. I'm just saying. For uh, our, yeah. Hey, it's for not a party. Of, it's a family yeah. show. So. It's not a party with the pants. You, you, if you're missing your pants, it's a good party, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Where am, anybody see my pants anywhere? Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Cat took them. Or a shameless <laughs> pumpkins. Say, yeah, in the other room. Yeah. Put your pants on and get out of the tree. Yeah. Very good. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's amazing that that song was actually about me because there was no vocalist. And I really enjoyed it. We and wrote it with that in mind. Yeah. 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 I, like, I don't know how you knew, but it's yeah. how you knew. <laughs> Where did that take you to? Gosh, excitement, inner movement. Um, yeah. Now, see, and, and that was just, uh, you know, kind of an homage to two musicians we loved, to Jocko Pastorius mm. and Paco de Lucia. It was the whole thing there was kind of imagining them kind of playing against so having a you know kind of a bass a moving bass line and then play like paco was amazing just at his piccato and playing these really fiery lines so that was the that was the foundation of of doing that plus you know everybody goes on about jocko as a as a player and he mm -hmm. changed everything but what a composer i mean three views of a secret is one of my favorite tunes and just he was a beautiful writer teen down so many beautiful Liberty City, so many great tunes. Wow, my little Jocko pluck. Yeah, I was a <laughs> big beautiful. Weather Report fan. Too. People ask, like, I'm I'm a huge Hendrix fan. I've been collecting him for you know since I was 13, and I'd, now you can get. It's funny. He's like when you're when I was a kid. It's like, oh, you look for that bootlegger. You look for that rare tape. Now 
all of it is on YouTube. So yeah, the, the, the sense right. of discovery of a new thing is not what it was when we were searching for bootlegs when we were kids and find LA Forum, find Rubber Dubber, or you know, get the Zeppelin Blueberry Hill or whatever. Now it's all it's out there. You can get it. That having been said, all probably my favorite CD amongst everything we have is Jocko Birthday Party. And if people haven't heard that CD, mm. is just unbelievable. I haven't heard that part. It was that, it was CDL. as the as the ad says, the surprise party that he threw for himself in, wow. in a, <laughs> at, at a, a club in uh, I think Fort Lauderdale, and somebody they just backed up the twenty four track truck in, and it was the the concept of the of the band was uh, drummer, bass player, and big band, no other harmonic instrument no guitar no piano it was just that and basically they sketched larry warlow the arranger sketched out all the arrangements they went and they just played it and it's and I'm, they may have had one other gig or did whatever but oh my god it's uh it's got uh it's peter erskine on drums who's in his longtime friend but it's got the uh um michael brecker and uh, bob mincer mm. are both playing saxophone mm-hmm. And they're both amazing, so one usually follows the other. So you get this two amazing uh, jazz saxophonists, and with completely different conceptions, and they, each one just pushes it higher. It's very, really, really weird to hear a recording where you have two like lead saxophonists doing completely different things, and they're both insanely great, and uh, just it's just amazing playing. When you hear like uh, you, you, Oliver will know this as, as as guitar when you when you're like soloing and it's just bass and it's drums you're going to be outlining and doing arpeggiations and all that but when you have like a bass player that's as dense as Jocko doing all these kind of crazy arpeggiations and all that against somebody else who's kind of doing the same thing the fabric that they weave is really crazy on that album it's beautiful so okay that's my plug mm. go buy jock of the birthday party you'll be glad you did young warper snappers <laughs> i'll <laughs> nice. be doing it nice yeah. well no you two are a couple we are have you written anything that uh maybe is your song well he wrote a song for me off of one of our book of storm cds one of our pop cds called uh the one. Oh. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. I, I would say uh, we're very, very good midwives of our of our material together. So, I mean, all like, usually if she wrote it, it has my stamp on it in some way. So, like, Jockey Paco is one of the very rare things that, like, I wrote fully. Hmm. Um, and we write together with Jim sometimes, too. But amongst the most popular songs that we have is ledges road uh which she wrote yeah barcelona and tango certainly some things uh, jim wrote as well but ledges road is a song where i basically i just played the melody and got out of the way Mm. and she scored the violin and viola and recorded it so that's really her baby and that's one of our most if not our most popular song on from downloads um, so, so, so sometimes it's like, yeah, you know, you could really do that thing in the bridge. And then other times it's like, uh, that's done. So is he, if nothing mm. else, it's like, you're good. That's great. I have nothing else to add to this. <laughs> wow. and, and so well, that happens a lot. <laughs> we write, uh, we write a lot together, yeah, obviously. Sure. And, and, but if you're saying just to, that we've written for each other. Um, he wrote that song for me, the one. Mm. Did I write something specific for him? I, I don't know. Did I? 
I can't besides, besides all of them. I, 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 like, besides, I think pretty yeah, much all, all of it is, yeah. is devotional music yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how I think of yeah, it. That's, that's how I cry myself him, to sleep yes. at night. Um, <laughs> nice. You know, I will, I will say that because this is, gets into another realm of things, but um, uh, just briefly, because I'm going to answer the question you haven't asked. Um, I, how the band, even before that, how we met, uh, I, I had a Steely Dan cover band. That at, we were just talking about this today, actually. Um, uh, sadly, unfortunately, I had a, a friend that was killed by a drunk driver. Mm-hmm. And it, she, he, this this guy just killed uh, four people, one of whom was a very close friend. The other three were he'd be friends or acquaintances. And so we got a band together to kind of play uh, The Wake and honor them musically. And we, should, we were all you know in our early 20s. And it was just t- terrible. And then that evolved into something that we wanted to keep doing just because it was fun playing. And it was primarily Steely Dan covers, a lot of it, because I love Steely Dan and want to play that music. And everybody else in the band did too. And we needed a bass player. So um, the guy we had, who's still a pal, Leo Valenzuela, wanted to go do other things. And we knew we needed a bass player. And so the first night I met her, I met her and her fiance. And he was a lovely guy. Mm. And was sad to see that they broke up. And then... Um, I met her and I think we did a gig or two and it was like, oh my God, she's gorgeous and she's really talented and really cool. And the th- actually the thing that actually did it in terms of like, oh my gosh, this person is very special is I came to her house and she had a lot of the books that are on the bookshelf here. And I was like, this, and I thought this is not a mirror gazer. This is not a person that's sitting. This is a person that is constantly questioning and that I, that I, find that very moving and i like that and that's kind of she, what it start what started it she's but a the reason I, i'm giving you the background mm-hmm. to this is um another thing that was a, a a kind of a seminal moment for us was we were offered the chance so we'd been playing in bands in a couple of years and i was not going to do music professionally i worked at mca records i worked in spanish television and i did i was a, a decent guitar player but i didn't know how to break in and then i began sitting in with her and people was like oh, okay he can play and that was cool and so we were presented the opportunity to write music for entertainment tonight. And um, I'm like, uh, we have a dear friend, uh, Jeff Floro, and he was kind of a mentor. And it had always been like, well, for this thing you need, for this thing you need this amp sound, and for this you need this 12 string. And if you're going to do this, which is all really sound, if you're going to get those sounds, you need that thing. And I was like, well, we're going to need this. We're going to do that. Lisa said, look, grabbed me by the lapels, lifted me off the ground. Because I'm taller, she is. She was holding me up. Hmm. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, she said, uh, uh, look, somebody with a really crappy recorder, like a, like a handheld thing, is going to do something really bad, and they're going to get the gig because they tried. And I was in my head. I'm like, wow. we need this, we need that. And I was like, no, you don't. You just need to do it. We got the gig. And we did 200 minutes of music for entertainment tonight. Mm. Wow. That then from the Paramount Library went into all their other shows. So we started, we got our starting year statements, and it's like, Oprah Winfrey show, Star Trek, Law and Order, bum, bum, bum. I mean, one after it was like it was amazing. And so, because of that simple gesture of trying to do that, we got all this music. And so, you figure two hundred minutes of music there, writing the first two Book of Storm CDs. Now, like you know, uh, half to the two thirds of the Incendio material, and all the other music library stuff that we've written that have been in all these other movies and stuff like that. We've written a lot of material, to, uh, mostly together, some apart, you know, just like, what do you think? Okay, let's just, you know, get it done. So I think we went from, like, I wrote this for you, 
to, oh my God, there's a deadline to, I got this fragment of melody. What do you think? So every version, what do you think of this beat? What do you think of this melody fragment? Hey, I kind of like this chord. Oh my God, what you're playing, stop what you're doing. Or or force, the, the craft part of it is forcing yourself to wake uh, wake up out of a dream. Oh my, okay, I'm asleep and I'm dreaming, but this is a really cool melody. I've done this about twice or three times now. They're becoming incendiary dreams. I couldn't even tell you which ones they were, but I know the process happened mm. to will yourself out of sleep and groggily walk over to a recorder, get some semblance of the idea or actually get a guitar, get some semblance of the idea and then try to go back to sleep. That, you need mm. to do that. You need wow, to like yeah. just honor that visitation. Get it out. And mm-hmm. get it on tape. Yeah, wow. because you go back to sleep and you, you oh, I've got it. this it's great gone. idea. You go back yeah. to sleep. You wake up and it's gone. I've yeah. lost five so you, to ten. You, yeah, you've got to cool. get up and do it. Wow. wow. Yeah. But we're we're lucky in that we can write together. You know, a lot of people can't, um, and we could from the beginning. It was very easy um, when one of us has an idea, the other one just is on the same wavelength. We, the other person doesn't take it like to, to some place. The other person just goes, uh, that, I don't even know what you're doing with my song, but it's just like an extension. And and we had that from the beginning. And, and we have that with Jim too. You know, we, we work well together. And as you guys know, I mean, not all writers work well together. Oh yeah. So I think that, that was lucky that we could do that. You guys are very fortunate. Yeah. One, yeah, one really good role we have is um, for her stuff, I think I'm a good... Uh, melody developer or enhancer like we can go this way they talk about one percent inspiration 99 percent perspiration so mm-hmm. i think i help to provide a lot of perspiration she is a really really good police officer for me not to rely on the pattern of of falling into a bluesy thing because that mm-hmm. that my the place i come from is a blues place so i will tend to phrase certain melodies and that she goes to blues stop it well, and, and I think it's both good. of it's really us good. take mm. us out of what's normal for the other one. And, and, and the same with Jim, you know, when you write by yourself, you grab on what you normally do. When you write with someone else, they'll go, take it somewhere else. And you go, oh, well, that's cool. I, I didn't think of that. You know, so you immediately just expand like what we were talking about. Wow. Well, I think yeah. one thing that goes back to the notion of service servicing is I think I am an awesome interpreter. I think more so than kind of writing. I have a, a okay skill set for writing stuff on our own. And I love melodies. You know, it's like a lot of guitar players. You're like a Hendrix bag, or you're in a in a Stevie Ray Vaughan bag, or a Van Halen bag, or an Ingvi Malmsteen bag, and that is all good. But listening to a lot of singers and a lot, and even Tin Pan Alley songs and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> all that suffuses that. and going to how do you frame a melody? How do you change that chord to enhance? where that melody moves and stuff like that. I think that's a strength that I have. So I can usually mm. enhance um, what she's doing or what Jim's doing. And they can do this, the same for me. Um, usually that ends up being a, a, a good role that I play. Lisa has a, just a gift for some beautiful melodies. And that's that doesn't always... It's not a, mm-hmm. a common thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, and that's, that's what's like Louis Ledges wrote somebody, just get out of the way. This is great. This is done. Cool. Good. You know, it's easy. Mm. Well, gosh, why don't, why don't we hear that? I'd love to hear that. Yeah, can we give it a listen? Absolutely. Yeah, Ledges yeah. Road. Yeah, Ledges Road. Let's do it. And before we play that, we'll give a shout out to our uh, friends who are playing on it, Novi Novog, who uh, played on the first two CDs is playing viola. She was the one who played viola in Blackwater. Uh, by the Doobie Brothers. And so, Raspberry Beret. And she was part Prince. of the, the quartet for and Raspberry Beret and Michael Jackson, some other things. 
And then uh, Peggy Baldwin on cello, who at the time was out with uh, Yanni, and I think maybe Rod Stewart too, she played with. And um, so what you will hear when you hear this song is you'll hear the second take. It took them about 20 minutes to do these takes, and they were at home at our house for two and a half hours laughing hysterically, sharing stories of being on the road, just listening to the two of them just like, because musicians are freaks. And, and they just, just laugh. You that. just got to mm. go. You just got to go, okay, rolling. And then they and, play. They, and they murdered it. And then just back to, did you remember when we went to the... the, 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 the and we're like, so funny. Just rolling. We're rolling. Wow. Well, did you say Yanni and Rod Stewart? Yes. Yeah. Now there's a combo for you. Yeah, yeah. I am. She only performs with them when they play together. No, I have no idea. <laughs> she, she, she's done so much. She's just a, a brilliant, brilliant cellist. Awesome. Let's do it. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
that that mm. song um, makes me um, appreciate the beauty of life when I hear it. Yeah. There's really something special in that. Good. Yeah, Thank you yeah. very gorgeous. much. Gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Well, I, I wrote it about um, the road that I grew up on in Connecticut, or I should say I was there till I was eight. We lived out in the country. And so I have just, you know, wonderful memories of, of being out in the country and um, just appreciating nature, mm. animals. It's truly I- idyllic. It, it really idyllic. is. It was, it's beautiful. Hiking, mm. and so it's just, uh, yeah, had a lot of memories, and that's what came to me when um, I started writing this song. Mm. Wow. Yeah. As Oliver pointed out uh, earlier, uh, the spaciousness in the in the in the melody is wonderful because it it just pulls me into the to the images you know i could see like what you're talking about um you know you didn't tell me that's specifically what it was about but in my mind i was seeing blue skies and clouds and tops of trees and kind of feeling cozy with someone i loved and just kind of like a peaceful feeling just uh, it's funny how that you know you talk about mm-hmm. how your mind fills in details when there isn't lyrics yes um you know and it's in- instrument the instrumentation itself uh, as it becomes a background or uh, a tapestry that you fill in with, with your, yeah, your ideas absolutely. and stuff. But it's just, yeah, it's really, really nice. Thank you. And, and when I write something like that, you know, I'll um, sort of get the image in my head of what I'm writing about or what's inspiring me, and, and I'll pace. And a lot of times just a melody will come to me. Hmm. And then I'll, I'll sing the melody and, I will, and I'll harmonize it. Um, and with that piece, I just, I heard strings with it to, uh, um, to accompany it. And we just left it like that, two guitars and, and uh, viola and cello. Well, you described a little bit about your process, how you uh-huh. pace and you let it come. Um, JP, um, do you have a process? So it's like respecting the spark. It's less about like any single process than it is about just respecting the spark when it happens. Uh, hey, mom, sorry, I got to hang up. I have this thing that's going through my head and I have to do it. Or, hey, you know, we're at the dog park. Hey, I need a minute. I'm going to go over there, watch the dogs. I'll be back. And just try, try okay, well, I got something. I got something. It may need to lead to nothing. You know, mm-hmm. it may lead to something really nice. Wow. Now, earlier you mentioned some dreams about coming from can you remember any of those, any songs that did come from a dream? You know, I think Karina's Waltz Maybe came to me. Maybe it's Karina's Waltz? Yeah, haunted. I think Karina's Waltz, Haunted came yeah. to me in a dream, Ooh. that melody. Wow. I love the the title. Yeah, thanks. Maybe we got to give that a listen. I think so, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, fascinated by this idea of creativity that comes from dreams. And that's not mm-hmm. just because we did a dream episode. Yeah. <laughs> but but also because we did a dream episode. I'm just fascinated by this well, idea. Well, that's yeah, something it's, I love it's, to hear it's it. true. That's yeah. that it's whole true. thing of finding a way to tap into the subconscious. I mean, I think the the great improvisers I imagine in my mind that Prince had a had a way of actualizing stuff out of the subconscious because he made so much, generated so much music. Yeah, he was prolific. It was all very, very different. And so these guys have a way uh, women, men, whoever, the ones that have just are, are able to get through all the crap and have a very different, I think in a lot of ways, like regular life is hard unless you're prince and are super wealthy and have a, you know, had an entourage of people around you that could take care of mundane stuff like breakfast or like the lawn <laughs> or right. bills, you know, um, he built a world where he, where he, he could maintain that access. Hendrix could maintain that access uh, it's a, it's just but a, it's I, just, I yeah, think so. exactly what you were saying is getting out of the way and 
allowing those melodies to come through you, you know, and, and it's sort of like when I, when I think of a melody sometimes, or I'm trying to get at a melody, it's like, I'm, I feel like I'm pushing the notes out of the way that aren't supposed to be there. It's Mm. like, I'm finding that correct one. You look like a sculptor chipping away what's yeah. not the song. Yeah, so, so it's to speak. Like, wow. yeah. yeah, and I was talking to somebody else, a, a young person that was writing, and we were writing with them and, and helping them get to that. And and one of them was like stopping, kept stopping and analyzing what he was doing. And I was like, mm-hmm. don't do that. Don't stop. Just get it all out. Just write. Just free associate and put it down and then you can move stuff out of the way. But if you stop and analyze along the way, you stop the process. You know, your 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 mind gets in there and you lose that flow. The flow can have a bunch of junk on it. But if you stop the flow, then you, you lose that, that stream of consciousness. I happen to love our trio album, which I think people have tended to hear less of. And mm. I go back and listen to that. And I go, that was a really inspired cool piece that not as many people know the stuff off that album and that's good so it's not always going to be a hit or whatever but if it satisfies your soul and you know that it can provide uh healing or good listening to somebody else then i'm Mm -hmm. like that's cool Mm -hmm. you know we just we explored a lot of different harmonic um writings in that cd than we do on a lot of the other cds Mm. the 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 song that we were going to listen to that's inspired by haunted Haunted yes. is on that CD. So so shall we listen to Haunted? Absolutely. Sure. Let's do it.
Just beautiful. Thank you. Wow. Born from a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. There's so much that I loved about that. I mean, the use of dissonance, the the you know, rhythm, the flourishes that you put in, but not too much. It was just like, wow, I really went somewhere with that. Good. Thank you. I yeah, I tend to add more dissonance in, in my writing. I like that. It it speaks to me. Um, but she didn't, I would we say didn't really do in Ledges Road. But you did yep. it there and in a few of the others. Wow. Yeah, well, I Which, don't once always again, do that, it, but I tend to like but that. But there's more. the contrast because you yeah. have that that in your writing is to you know you can go there or go the other way and yeah. add it and still make it musical. Uh, that song encompasses a lot, particularly in the live thing. And uh, this, uh, so I have a story. Um, and the context is uh, something that John McLaughlin said, which was very mm-hmm. true. It's like if if. Uh, Part of the reason I think he does it, and we do it, and we talk about communion in the audience, that thing. But if you can leave everything behind, he goes, even for five, 10 seconds, five seconds, a second of pure inspiration where you're in the music, you've played something, you, you're inventing something that you haven't played before, you're improvising, and it all comes together, and it's absolutely beautiful. And it's a group of notes that you have never played before and will probably never play again, mm-hmm. but you're not even there. It's like you've just, it was, it was something that he talked about and it really, really struck me. And mm. I think all, that's like a drug for musicians. I'm sure actors have the same parallel or visual art. When you really, really hit something that has some sort of perfection that you haven't done before and hopefully your audience hasn't heard before and everything comes together. Mm. Uh, so with that particular song, we were in Eureka, mm-hmm. California, doing their uh, Redwood Jazz Festival. And I think it was the second time we were doing it. And basically, it's it's like a lot of these festivals where they take you around to different venues during the course of like a three-day festival. One day you're playing at the theater. The next day you're playing, uh, they had this area that was near a, a boat dock. And it was like a landing. It was really cool. And so they take you around to different places. And the last of the four shows that we did, if you say it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the last show was at Sunday, I'm going to say at 10 in the morning in Eureka. And this is in... April. So it's still cold and kind of wet. It's like the northernmost part of Northern California mm-hmm. before you get to Oregon. Emerald Triangle. And yeah. And um we did a show at ten in the morning in a gay bar. Hmm. And I mentioned that because uh it's important for you guys to know that I have just really a fifth grade sense of humor. Everybody in the band knows that. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just such a dork. And they had all these I'm sure there are people. I don't even remember what they were, but on the one hand, the uh, the uh, titles of the drinks were absolutely hilarious and body and awful, mm-hmm. and I just read one after the other, and it was laughing so hard. We had been there for two days. We're kind of tired. We did all the shows. And so we're in this bar. It's designed to have lots of lights and be totally dark, and it has these ridiculous drink names. And we're kind of setting up kind of like groggily. And they had these windows. The, the whole club was black. They had these windows that were like tinted kind of white. Mm. So they were foggy. And it was foggy outside because it's still April. And all the fog is rolling in off of off of the this little the port bay. they had, the bay. yeah. And so it's just this surreal, f- indoor, foggy, black with these ridiculous drink names. And we did that a song. And people started dancing through the fog. Between the tinted windows of black, it was like really hard to see. 
like the audience. And they were like five feet away, like dancing. And because it was foggy, you could see like from them from about the waist up swaying like this. So they were waltzing they were because waltzing. that's a waltz. Mm. And it was insane. At 10 in the morning. It They're, was great. Wow. Yeah, wow. in the fog. What a... So I had this like yeah. So the 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 drink names had made me laugh, and then this absolutely surreal, beautiful, ghostly haunted house thing that was happening was yeah. It was very ghostly. This is why. This is part of the reason they do this is just to be in this absolutely crazy once in a lifetime thing, and I can recall that like I can taste it. It's right there because it's just one of those things like. That's where it all comes together. Everything that we've done came together for that absolutely beautiful, unique wow. moment. Wow! So dude. that's when I hear that song, mm. I think of that particular wow. story in that situation, and go, "That's one of the reasons I do this." Wow. That's the you know, like the, the keys to a deeper level of experience. Yeah, you, yeah. we were hand, we were handed the keys to something very, very special, mm-hmm. and you just go with it, and you walk away going, "That will never happen again." Wow. I was there. I was in the center of it, and. You know, you don't you don't get that if you play mm. it safe. You have to mm-hmm. do some self exploration and learning and and look inside yourself and make some stupid mistakes and <laughs> take some, some chances. Take some chances and mm-hmm. do some dumb things. Nothing so ventured, can, nothing gained, right? So that you can absolutely. get to that. Yeah. Absolutely, wow. you got to jump in. So, so what are the the projects that are you that are important to you right now that you're going? Uh, you, you mentioned earlier that you're kind of trying to facilitate other musicians. I mean, how do people find out about that or or explore these things that, that you're currently working on? Well, if they want to find us, they can mm-hmm. always email us through Incendio Band or through our duo site, Carbay and Durand, our last names. Carbayandurand.com. How is that spelled? C-A-R-B-E, my last name, and A-N-D. And Durand, D-U-R-A-N-D, JP's last name. That's our duo. And you can reach us through that or through Incendio. Um, and we do produce other other artists. Um, and right now we're working with uh, two brothers, very talented young guys, the Lakata brothers. And we're working, uh, recording their CD right now. And it's, it's coming along fabulous. So they're proving we're excited. in Italian and we're proving in Sicilian. So it kind of, yeah. it's a perfect fit. Then we have another, we, we're working on our album, which will be released uh, in the fall. We'll be touring behind that, um, you know, at least starting in the summer. We've got to learn the songs and start going out and prepare the CD and master it and go through all those steps and, and make sure it's, it's, and that's a whole other ritual right so for everybody listening out there that all the notion that we get to play with all this stuff is also intertwined with recording yourself and making sure the computer is right and getting in the right microphone and doing that's that's why thrive and survive in the music business is is i think a a cool thing that we're going to be able to provide because there are so many elements it's like what kind of microphone do you use or where you master why is mastering important why are you going to do your publishing after that once you get that all squared away what kind of promotion are you going to put behind your album and are you going to master it for cd and mp3 are you going to all all these things that are kind of mind-boggling really it's Mm. just it's too much stuff but it has to be done and typically the record company used to do that that's not the case anymore so if you want to be viable you gotta learn all that stuff yeah you gotta make Mm. it happen so you're peruvian we we know we know that 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 uh lisa's from connecticut where were you from born and your ancestry uh, I was born in Keesler Air Force Base, Biloxi, Mississippi. Okay. Uh, both my Southern par- boy. Both my parents are from Lima, Peru. Uh, dad came here to, he was in the Peruvian Air Force. He came here to join the U.S. Air Force. 
and then went back to get my mom and marry her and bring her to this country. And that was in 67. And so I was born here, but my an aunt and then my grandmother helped to, to raise both me and my brother, came here. So our first language and our first kind of culture was was Spanish language and Peruvian culture, the food, the music, everything. Wow. My, and my parents, uh, par- uh, all of my family, cousins, uncles, other stuff that you normally grew up with, all of them were in Lima. So, and my parents were not like they weren't Woodstock. They weren't listening to Stones. My mom still listens to classical music. We were in a bubble. Wow. So that what we're looking for something cultural is it would be like Peruvian culture. So, uh, I my dad had um, Montavani records. He had Ventures records, which is interesting because that was the same gateway that Eric Johnson had. I love Eric Johnson as a guitar player. He listened to early Ventures records. That was the first, that and Tom Jones was the first stuff I heard. I love Tom Jones. You think Tom Jones, a lot of people love Tom Jones. Tom Jones has amazing intonation, is an incredible singer. And the funny thing was I was hearing songs secondhand. I was like, he's singing yesterday and he's like really over singing and it's crazy, but his intonation is great. Who are these Beatles? Why are they? Who are they yesterday? <laughs> who are they? You know, I'm like just some small band. I like music. I'm like three or four pond, years. I don't you know? know any better because no my deal. parents aren't listening to the Beatles or Stones and the music of their era. So all I came by it all like secondhand. But the nice thing was I get to hear different arrangements really early. Mm-hmm. Like this is what happens if you add horns. This is him doing Blue Eyed Soul, and now you're hearing, you know, him do Turn Off Your Love Light off of uh, the Flamingo and the and the band is just killing and you, so i carry mm-hmm. you know all that and then come around so you know the things that i would pick up was he's doing the three underneath on the baseline so all the little weird arrangement things mm-hmm. those would be the things that i was listening for uh, okay. subconsciously when i was a kid and i bring that to bear in the band now were, like were arrangement you, ideas were you raised uh listening to ima sumac uh no we didn't listen to any ima sumac the traditional peruvian music would be all peruvian waltzes so uh, we had one out, Violinas de Lima, we listened to a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Trio Los Panchos, which are not Peruvian, but South American. Uh, but primarily Los Morochucos and a lot of uh, like Nube Gris, um, La Florida La Canela, traditional Peruvian songs. So I listened to a lot of waltz when I was a kid. Then later, I think it was funny because we all came around full circle. Jim started doing this music because he, at the time, was shredding and doing like Ingrid Malmsteen and Vinnie Vincent, Vinnie Vincent, sorry, not Vinnie Vincent, the, a couple of, Steve Morse, Aldi Miola. And, but he wanted to do it, you know, you go and do that at Borders, they will kick you out. <laughs> so he wanted to do it in, in, a, in a way that was more accessible. And then he found, you know, these uh, Friday Night in San Francisco and Otmar Liebert was doing that. So he did that. I really think of myself as a blues guitarist, as electric blues guitarist, like Stevie Ray or Hendrix or B.B. King. Those are the guys that i love the most and i came around full circle to doing like you know basically spanish guitar and lisa's classical guitarist uh by training who loved you know john dowland and 20th century music peter maxwell uh, davies and but just i different. started by playing spanish guitar so okay. i started playing flamenco and spanish songs and um my father's from sicily so we had a lot of opera in the house. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my parents just loved Latin music. What's so. your favorite opera? Well, I love Puccini. Okay. You know, I love, I love a lot of Puccini's operas. I mean, he's, 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 he writes beautiful melodies. La Traviata is my favorite. Is it? Yeah. 
Um, she, uh, I, I love La Boheme. Oh, yeah. yeah. But by the time she, she kind of absorbed all that from a very early age, but she also loved the rock bug, loved and still loves Zeppelin a lot. We both really love Zeppelin. Uh, and Floyd. And she, uh, she used to be in Vixen. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I met her, she was playing guitar for Lindsey Buckingham. She was out on the road with him for two years. And so there was a whole... musically schizophrenic. That's <laughs> well, <laughs> so you're the... just a lunatic like he is. Yes. So. it's a perfect match. Yeah. So she absorbed. She was doing all the rock, and in a sense, has also come back home, hmm. which is an interesting thing. Incendio kind of brought us back around to oh, all those waltzes and not because I would say the undercurrent of our uh, guitar playing is not a flamenco, mm-hmm. really a flamenco thing. Although we do have flamenco guitars, the undercurrent of what I tend to contribute. If it's not a bluesy kind of texture, it's the notion of playing the melody like I was singing it, number one, and number two, phrasing it more like Trio Los Panchos or more like the, the major South American guitar players of which they were like, you hear Spanish guitar or mm-hmm. Latin, South American guitar. It's a, a real specific kind of plucking and moving and all that. And it's like, oh, yeah, that thing. I do that thing. I know I've been listening to that thing all my life. I just didn't know I'd be using it. Right. So... It's all full circle, much like this conversation. Yeah, it's full circle. <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm headed to Peru uh, soon, uh, basically next month. And uh, you oh. mentioned Lima. Well, my middle name is Martin, and I was named after Martin de Porres. Oh, wow. So, you know, he's the, for those who don't know, he's the, he was from Lima, Peru. He was the first uh, canonized black saint in the Catholic religion. Um, you know, he's the patron wow. saint of healers, healthcare workers, and paranormal powers and things like that. So, um, you wow, know, no, and I, is that why your mother named you that? I mean, uh, did actually, you, it was my father, your who, father named, who named, named me you? that. Yeah. Um, Martin, as far as I understand. Um, but for a long time, I've wanted to go to Peru and now it's finally happening. Yeah. I've, I've read a lot about the shamanism there and the spirituality and they, there's ancient temples and Machu Picchu and, you know, the Amazon, yeah. all these things. You so know, when I'm we're ready, go we're going to have to turn this around and interview you guys for two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this is so fascinating. Oh, this is, this is amazing. You know, his... JP's uncle went to a shaman because oh. they, he was having some kind of trouble, and and she uh-huh. did the, passing the egg and that. Yeah, the the uh, the limpia ponele, with the egg. Yeah, ponele, huevo, yeah. yeah huevo, and yeah, see. with that, I, I can't remember. Did he say she he should move to Spain or? Somehow he recommended that he should go to Spain, or yes, it was a good idea for him to go to Spain, and he did. He did, and it and worked out it, really, really yes. well. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that was that was wild. Um, I'm I'm thinking now upon reflection of our conversation, I must have a lot of lunatic relatives. <laughs> I have one lunatic relative named Jose Duarte. Hi, Jose. Um, he decided to move to Boston, where he I guess he met his wife there, who was also a restaurateur. And they decided to open a, a restaurant in the Italian section of Boston. The most competitive, like why in the world would you ever do that? They had like the number one restaurant there. It wow. was Peruvian infused Italian food. Whoa. It's, it's unbelievable. It's I'm so called, hungry. It's called Paranta. <laughs> Sign me up. And it's in Boston. And the reason I mentioned him is because you can't just go have ayahuasca with anybody. Right. And uh, he's been known to lead tours down there. So if you're still looking around for... You got to choose the right shaman. Yeah, come the, talk to me after the show. Yeah, absolutely. You no, know, no. There's there's a lot of uh, tourism, and that that brings a lot of opportunism and you know 
just because someone calls themselves a shaman does not necessarily mean they are. And also it doesn't yes. necessarily mean that there's, they have scruples. A Absolutely. true shaman obviously would, but um, yeah. And unfortunately I do have uh, connections there to Good. Uh, the real you deal. You must. Yeah, I do. But, but um, <laughs> thank you. And, and, and who knows, maybe I'll end up um, meeting someone in that uh, yeah. lineage or something. Too. Our, ours would help if, if, if there was a good like food connection that you wanted to decide. And just by way of saying, cause you might, if you, you've already been to Lima, not yet. Okay, not yet. Uh, and Lisa has known this uh, firsthand. Food is such an important part of the culture. Yeah. You're going to eat a lot of food. Look, and it's going to be some of the best food you've ever had in your life. And I grew up with it, so I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. But it is really amazing food. Awesome. Across I look forward to it. I'm a total foodie. Satch knows this. Oh, yeah. I, and th- I'm a foodie. Yep. Yeah. Well, what's the one in Cerritos? There's one. Oh, that is, what the, oh my gosh. Uh, El Rocoto. Oh, is that really good? Fantastic. Fantastic Peruvian food. Good to know. Mm, yeah, El Rocoto right there. I've only been to Inca Grill. I've only been to Inca Grill in in Costa Mesa, but I I wouldn't try it. Yeah, been there. Yeah, the ceviche in El Rocoto is off off the hook. But his cousin's restaurant is also all green to the point that they visit where everything is grown and make sure that it's free trade, that the people are being treated correctly. Harvested at the right time. The wine is all green. That's fantastic. And he goes around and he supports other restaurateurs and teaches them how to get going. Wow. We need more of that. It's amazing. Yeah, he's an awesome We need lots more of that. Big time, yeah. Yeah. More people doing that would be very helpful. Yeah, Especially these days. Yeah. Creating the right tribe. That's been a theme. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. He gets that and he's doing it in the food world, which is really cool. Well, it, it's, you know, I was thinking about this recently and, and it's been a thought that's popped in quite a lot um, for the last 20 years, probably. And it's that, um, you know, it's wonderful when like attracts like, you know, we got um, like in this room, we have a room full of amazing people, uh, amazing souls and, and with different skills and, and thoughts. And in life, I've always thought, well, it seems like the quote unquote bad guys stick together. You know, they're, you know, doing subversive things and making money hand over foot and supporting each other and ousting good people because the good people don't realize that they have this community that they can connect with. Maybe yeah. some of them lack confidence. Maybe some of them lack an understanding about sticking together. You know, there, there's an opportunity for tribe building when you just even understand, like, I don't. I don't know exactly how I may be able to help these people, but I know that some way, in some form, I'll be able to help this person. And when you create that opportunity, I think um, capitalism can work, right? But obviously, with every system, there are some dark sides to it. Uh, When capitalism goes to the extreme so far that... Um, you know, there are no breaks, no controls, and you get, you know, mega corporations and all this kind of stuff, crony capitalism, all of a sudden the mom pop shop that has a really great idea can't do it because there are five other mega corporations that are going to squash them. So it makes for a lack of diversity and a lack of a quote, a, a true free market. So I'm thinking about this idea right now and how, um, it's wonderful when you get an opportunity to see that you can attract more and more people who are of like mind. Like I think mm-hmm. you guys are on the show, so technically there's overlap there. You know, you're part of the Authenticity Tribe. We're part of the Incendio Tribe, mm-hmm. and yeah. there's this thing now and out mm-hmm. in the world. Um, however, we support each other and recognize each other and acknowledge each other is going to be beneficial to everybody who connects mm-hmm. with us. Yeah, absolutely. So 
it's just a mutually beneficial situation. Yeah. Satch, um, this conversation I was thinking earlier, it's like we covered um, health, creativity, and the quest for excellence yeah. all in this one show. All of them. All of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's great. That's when great. are we doing it again? Yeah. We have so much more to cover. <laughs> yes, we sure. do. Tomorrow. And we have to interview Run you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'll be great. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, well, awesome. You guys have been lovely and amazing. I've, I've enjoyed every moment. What an uh, opportunity to talk. Thank you. Us too. Is, yeah, thank you. Thank super you. Super fun. Yeah, we could easily yeah. keep going. Oh, yeah, we could. And going, could. and going, and going. Um, but, uh, you know, it was it was creative, and it was thought-provoking, mm-hmm. stimulating, mm-hmm. and I think we went somewhere with this conversation. We did. I forget the... the, the many places. We yeah. went many well, places with this conversation. Many somewhere. The five yes. of us created an artistic manifesto. Right. It's cool. Yeah. Right. And like any good song or musical piece, there must be uh, that beautiful ending. Yes, a beautiful ending. Right? Right. I thought you were going to say right. we should end before we all start playing Louie Louie, <laughs> which is also <laughs> a totally valid point. <laughs> Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes. You've been listening to the Authenticity Show with your hosts Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Very, very special thanks to our guests J.P. Durand and Lisa Carbet from the band Incendio. If you'd like to connect with Incendio, you can find their website at incendioband.com. This show is produced by Oliver Altine. That's me. Our theme music is composed by Oliver Altine. That's also me. Make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android Market, Stitcher. Check us out on YouTube. And you can find our website at authenticityshow.com. Thank you very much for listening and have an authentic day.